This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You're listening to the MomWell Podcast. Today, I am so excited to welcome pediatric occupational therapist Holly Parrots to the show. Holly's been working with children and families for over 12 years and hosts the annual Toddler Play Conference and the Thriving in the First Year Summit. I've invited Holly today to talk about what she frames as sensory self-care. We talk a lot about being overstimulated around here and how to manage the overwhelm that comes with parenting, whether that is the noise and touch and mess, whether that is internal anxiety or carrying the invisible load. Overwhelm and overstimulation can come in many forms, but when I saw Holly's work and I saw her sensory self-care toolkit, I thought that it was such an interesting take on a topic we discuss a lot here that we had to have her on. In this episode, we talk about how overstimulation and our sensory system is a cup and not just a switch, what it really means to be overstimulated, what are we talking about here, and how do we define it? How do we know if we're hitting the accurate target? We also talk about calming versus activating sensory stimulation because sensory input is one of those strange things where There are things that might set us off, like too much noise, but there are also noises that can be soothing, such as sound machines or other music and songs. So understanding our own system and what is activating and what is calming. Holly also talks us through how to notice the warning signs of overstimulation and leaves us with some sensory self-care strategies so that we know what to do when these moments arise. This is such a great episode, and it really adds to and rounds out the overstimulation resources that we have to offer. But before we jump in, let's hear our iTunes review of the week. This review comes from Mama Ox, and it's titled, I Finally Understand So Much. Erica and her guests have taught me so much over the last couple of years. I'm currently pregnant with my third and struggled a lot after my first was born. I didn't know how to comprehend what I was going through. When I found this podcast, I finally felt seen, understood, and not alone. I'm stronger because of this community, and I truly cannot thank Erica and her guests enough. Thank you so much for leaving this review. I show up and do this show weekly for each of you so that you can take something away, that you can feel less alone, that you can understand yourself better, or that you can fill in skills and things that you need to learn So if there are things that you've gained from this show, I would love for you to leave a review and tell me. And if there are things that you need that you'd love covered on the show, I'd love for you to DM me and express that as well. We've built such an amazing community here over the past few years, and I thank you so much for taking the time to leave this review. Now let's hear this week's episode with Holly. Do you ever feel like you just want to hide in a dark, quiet closet? You are not alone. As a mom of three boys, I know what it's like to feel overstimulated, touched out, and easily triggered. As moms, we often don't get the chance to turn down the noise, walk away, or find a moment to regroup and recharge our batteries. But we don't have to live in constant overload. We can learn the skills to manage our own response to the noise, mess, and touch. We can stay calm and grounded so that we can be more present and connected without feeling like we're always in fight or flight mode. Dr. Reem, Psych Mommy, and I created a workshop to help you learn those skills, a workshop called Managing Overstimulation in Motherhood. You'll learn why you get so overstimulated, how to recognize your triggers, and the simple changes you can make in your environment that can help. 
We'll also teach you practical tips to keep calm and walk through your own personalized overstimulation plan so you can manage your reactions in and out of the moment. With lifetime access to the recording, you can watch at your own pace and revisit the workshop whenever you need. It's time to take charge of your senses instead of letting them take charge of you. Visit momwell.com slash overstimulation to register today for instant access. That's momwell.com slash overstimulation. Welcome to the MomWell podcast, where we're committed to helping you cope with the load of motherhood. I'm your host, registered psychotherapist and founder of MomWell, Erica Jossa. At MomWell, we know that motherhood is hard, but care shouldn't be. We're committed to providing you with knowledge, tools, and support to navigate the challenges of motherhood. Our mission is to put moms back on the priority list and empower them to create a mental wellness toolbox free from judgment, fear, and shame. On the show, we'll be discussing topics such as postpartum depression, identity loss, the mental load of motherhood, and more. We'll be joined by experts, moms, and professionals who can offer advice, practical tips, relatable stories, and honest conversations. Here at MomWall, we believe that when a mom is well, a baby is well. So join us as we discuss the topics that matter to you with experts who get it. Together, we can redefine motherhood and change the way moms are treated. Holly, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. I just realized you're overseas. You said in Israel right now. You're from South Africa. You sound like quite the globe trotter. So thank you for making the time in our in your day to join us and be here with us. Yeah, it's such a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Like this is just my own curiosity before anything even like official kicks off. But what brings you to Israel? How did you make your way there? Love. <laughs> the most unoriginal. Oh, <laughs> yes. Uh, that'll get you. <laughs> my husband is Israeli. We met in South Africa and we came um, back to Israel just like for what we thought would be a period of time just for his studies and stayed. Wow. So I, I love it. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. My husband's sort of like the reverse where he came here for school. He's from Benin, West Africa, and just kind of settled and never left, which, you know, I'll take. I'm quite content with. But yeah, so I feel like he's been a lot of different places as well. And then you kind of set roots somewhere and uh, hopefully you get to go home and see family and things often. But thank you for joining us. So I had come across your sensory self-care for moms. I think it was like a blog post when I was reviewing your, your media kit and I was like, I never thought of it from a self-care angle for sensory, you know, overstimulation and triggers because when I work with overstimulation, it's often in the more like crisis type situations and how to have a plan for in the moment and how we're going to work it through in these troubling moments. But when you placed it in a context of like self-care and caring for yourself, I thought that was a really interesting angle. And I'm excited for us to go through it all from your perspective today, OTs and therapists, and we all kind of view overstimulation from different angles. So I'm really excited, excited to have you here. Yeah, me too. Definitely excited. I'm sure we'll dive into a lot like that kind of dual thinking in terms of like sensory being a switch in terms of like overload and overstimulation, but then also in terms of being like a cup that gets filled. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me how your platform came to be and how you got into the blogging and, you know, building your platform. How did that come about? 
Yeah. So I work as a pediatric occupational therapist in like a really a wide variety of settings, obviously in South Africa and also in Israel, from education to uh, hospitals to nonprofits. And I've always just been really interested in the concept of preventative health. Mm. I guess occupational therapists, like this weird word and everyone, no one understands what we really do, but we look at like occupation, the things that we do and how they contribute towards or like how they contribute towards our overall health or our non-health, like uh, things that are really disabling us from health. Mm. So I've always been really interested in using those skills towards understanding like preventative health. And then when I became a mom, it was like a whole new world, really grappling with like a new role of being a mom and then also a completely different kind of social circle. And it really opened my eyes towards the skills of occupational therapy how really they can be used in terms of this idea of preventative health for kids and also for parents. Mm -hmm. um, so that was kind of like the catalyst, which kicked off what I do now, which is more working online in a number of different things. There's like uh, summits that I run. I've got a summit coming up in September about babies, but we do a lot of work around toddlers and things as well um, for parents, for children, and then also for professionals that are working with families. And um, so really like taking this like family centered outlook mm. on health and well-being for families. But today we're talking about sensory. So my story <laughs> when it comes to sensory is that uh, sensory is like one of these things that are in your toolbox as an occupational therapist. You cover it in your um, studies to a point, and it's definitely part of the work that we do overall. But it was like about a decade ago, I did a specialized course in sensory processing. And at that course, I was like, huh, something just like clicked. That's some of the things on myself that I'd been seeing as like maybe my quirks or like you know, this is who I am. This is the label that I put on myself. Maybe I could actually look at those things through a sensory lens and the strategies that I would use would be different. Mm. So like one thing that really like was a light bulb for me was like leaving places early, especially crowded rooms. Like my husband is super chatty and he would always want to like stay longer and chat more. And I'm like, there's too many conversations. Like it's, it's hard for me, but when you don't know that the thing that's hard for you is the too many conversations, it's easy to say, I'm unfriendly, right? Mm. I don't like me. There's something I don't like. So it must be some kind of personality trait or whatever. So doing that training kind of like unlocked this idea that we can use sensory strategies in terms of like everyday life when we are in environments that have high sensory demands. And then when I became a parent, like obviously it's a completely new landscape in terms of the amount of sensory input that is coming in. So I remember like there was this one fateful day I was at home at that point I was full-time at home with my two under two and we'd had like a social gathering with a lot of people in a like closed space and I was just like so overstimulated I just like really hit that wall of like overload and I got home and I needed like not just like five minutes break I needed like a good chunk of time that I was like tell my husband I just want to be in like a cold dark room my hands over my ears just like in quiet because I felt so overstimulated from that experience. Mm -hmm. So that really like caused me to go back to the drawing board in terms of understanding myself, like after we become parents, the way that our body reacts to sensory information is also different. There's a lot of biological changes that happen. But then also in terms of the environment that I was in, like it's completely different. Even working with children, having your own children in your house 24-7 is completely different. Mm -hmm. So really going back to the drawing board in terms of like understanding sensory overload, understanding sensory self-care and like how we can use strategies and also sensory strategies to best fit 
the task or the thing that we are doing. So like in parenthood, we have like these really big goals. We have like things that we want to be as a parent. I want to show up in this way, but we have to also really support ourselves in being able to meet those demands. Mm, um, mm-hmm. So that's really where my like love and interest for sensory self-care, the sensory experience within motherhood sparked from. Mm. As you're describing your experience, it's reminding me distinctly of this one event I was at. I was a first-time mom. I had my oldest son. He was mm, baby at the time, probably just crawling, like at the age where he's like reckless and into everything. We were at this like play center with a mommy group, and I now can name it as overstimulation. I was very heightened. And before I knew I was neurodivergent, I actually thought it was anxiety because it felt like anxiety. I was on high alert. I, you know, was like kind of checking the room for him all the time, felt very like on edge, but it actually wasn't because of like fear or anxiety. It was because of the sheer and utter chaos that was going on around me that I felt so like, "Ah, I can't keep an eye on him. And there's so many noises and there's so many things going on. And so I find it can be really tricky sometimes to draw the line with what is actually going on because it is rooted in our nervous system like so many other of our emotional experiences are, hey? So Mm -hmm. like maybe we can dive into it and maybe we'll also maybe hold it up against anxiety a little bit as we go to sort of differentiate because in those moments, was there like a fear that he might like tumble, you know, but yes, we were in a safe environment and if he did have a fall, it would have been okay. So it wasn't so much from my fear, my thoughts and my worries that I was feeling so activated, but just like the noise and the chaos that was around me. And so once I left that situation, then everything kind of like resettled again and I felt okay. So can we talk about, I know we want to talk about like triggers and different things, but I think like a fundamental understanding of sensory dysregulation versus overload. And and what are we trying to name here for people? So sensory stimulation versus overload. It's an interesting question. I want to go to the concept of the cup. I like mentioned this briefly in the beginning, Mm. because I think that this really helps us to understand it. We have sensory systems. I think Most of us are familiar with the main five. And I know you you have an episode about like diving into each of these a little bit more. So that's right. Yes. The overstimulated mommy episode goes into each of the sensory systems. Yeah. Yeah. So I think for today, let's like focus on this idea of the cup. So basically when we are taking in sensory information, it's filling up a cup and we each have our own cup size and that incorporates all of our sensory systems and there's a a place within that cup that feels like the Goldilocks effect. You know, it feels like just right. This is not too hot, not too cold. It feels just right. Mm. And if we want to perform at a high level, that cup needs to be at the just right level, right? If we want to be able to concentrate Mm. and really like do something that is more complex, we need that just right level. But throughout the day, our cups kind of go down and they go up. They can also go completely empty, right? If you're like in a sterile environment, you also don't have enough stimulation to feel good inside your body. So when we look at like sensory stimulation, I think we often see it again, like a kind of like a switch. Like when I switch this thing on, like somebody shouts at me, that like is the switch that's gone on for now I'm overstimulated. But it's often more like just all of the stuff that is coming in through the day is being Mm. built up to a heightened nervous system. So I know we're going to talk like a little bit later about some of the sensory self-care strategies, but 
our sensory systems are like just wonderfully designed, like it, just incredibly designed because one of the ways that we actually release sensory information from ourselves and like I, I think of it like a pressure valve on that cup, like mm-hmm. opening up some of the pressure is actually through using some of our sensory systems just in a different way. So they are sensory things that come in that can often be like alerting and there are things that can come in that are more calming. So when we talk about sensory self-care, we're like leaning towards using some of those calming um, stimulations because we are naturally as parents receiving a lot of alerting information. Mm -hmm. Does that kind Mm -hmm. of make sense? Yeah, no, it makes total sense because I think it's kind of like this paradox of sound and noise can be totally triggering, but can also be soothing, right? Like we like sound machines at nighttime and we like to use music to soothe and calm, but like certain types of noise are very jarring. And so I think like a good understanding of that, I think of the cup throughout the day too. And one of the things I hear a lot of parents say is at the beginning of the day, it depends on how many kids you're trying to like scoot out the door to school and things, but like from the start of the day to the end of the day, my ability to tolerate like noise and whining, for example, is probably a lot more patient and I have a lot more capacity at the beginning of the day than I do at the end of the day. So this idea of the cup kind of all day long, I really like because it helps us to monitor what that looks like throughout the day. So for example, if I come off of a day where I am like had a high stress day or high demand day, I know that I've been pulled on in different ways that day and I have to like adjust accordingly because the night can be more, um, I might be more easily triggered throughout the the bedtime routine or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I really like the idea of looking at it in that way and monitoring it. And before I knew that I had ADHD, I never understood how people sat in environments that felt so boring to me or so boring. Like the, I require a total different level of stimulation than my partner does, for example, to be in that like sweet spot, as you were saying. And it's a fine balance for me because I'm also easily overstimulated or overloaded. So I find that balance for me and for my neurodivergence and to be a little bit trickier to kind of nail because it's a bit finicky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that makes total sense. I think like the model that I always use in terms of looking at this for children and for adults is kind of, it's not just about the sensory environment, right? Like we often think it's just about the sensory environment, but like loud noise is triggering to me, but you might also go to music concerts and somehow enjoy that. So it's not just the thing of the loud noise, right? It's also the context of how we found it. So like I I think of it in terms of a model that we use in occupational therapy, which is firstly looking at the person, like inside of your body, what is that sensory cup? What is your threshold? What is your ability to take in sensory information? And what has happened leading up until this point in the day? Then we also look at it in terms of the environment, like what is going on on the outside? And then in terms of the task, So the task is actually really important, like the thing that you're doing. If we are like on holiday when there's loud noise and it's a bit like cluttered or whatever, feels very different to when we're on a deadline and we actually have so much work pressure going on. The experience of it is really different. And I think that sometimes when we just look at sensory like in an isolated bubble, we don't get enough of the ways that we can support ourselves more holistically. Mealtime with kids can be stressful, but with Factors Delicious ready-to-eat meals, it can be a lot easier. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to eat in just two minutes. No worrying about ingredients and nutrition, no prep, 
no mess, and no cooking while wrangling toddlers. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular options like Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover more than 60 add-ons every week, like breakfast, on-the-go lunch, snacks, and beverages to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started today and fuel up for your springtime goals. Factor can even be tailored to your schedule. Customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need. Pause or reschedule deliveries to suit your lifestyle. Take the stress out of meals with Factor. Head to factormeals.com slash momwell50 and use code momwell50 to get 50% off your first box. One of the most relentless mental loads is being the juggler of medical appointments. Researching doctors, reading reviews, making phone calls to book appointments, it's a lot of stress when you're already juggling so much invisible labor. That's what makes ZocDoc great for moms. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare hundreds of types of highly rated in-network doctors, including mental health providers, and instantly book appointments with them online. ZocDoc has doctors of all specialties, including therapists, psychiatrists, and psychologists, with verified patient reviews so you can make sure they check all your boxes. You can find mental health providers who offer in-person appointments, virtual consults, or both, whatever works for you. The typical wait time to see a mental health provider booked on ZocDoc is just four days. Sometimes you can even book same-day appointments. Make juggling appointments easier with ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com slash momwell and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated therapist, psychiatrist, or psychologist today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash momwell. ZocDoc.com slash momwell. It's a really common pain point that you bring up is trying to focus in motherhood and getting interrupted. So I think of this for myself from like a work perspective. And, you know, when we were in the pandemic and everyone was working from home and being interrupted every five seconds type thing to maybe even more daily living things where we're trying to cook or clean up and we're being used the bathroom for crying out loud. And then the door is being banged on or the kids are coming in. And so There is something about when I am trying to focus on a task and these things are going off in the background that are particularly like agitating to me versus if I was, like you said, on vacation or we're outside or I'm not trying to like hone in on something. And I think this is such a common experience for so many moms because so rarely do we get a chunk of time to finish a task through in in its entirety. So I wouldn't be surprised if those who are listening stopped and reflected on what they're doing often when things start to feel very overwhelming. Like, are they trying to accomplish a task or are they in the middle of, you know, trying to put things away and the kids are coming in and undoing all the work that they had just done? I find that that's a time for me that is most um, like, yeah, triggering probably. Yeah. It's really interesting, right? Because when I first started like working in this area and I did a survey with my audience around like what is most triggering for you? Like what is the thing? And I, my expectation was to hear like a sound 
kids bumping into me, kids climbing on me, this kind of thing. And of course, those answers were there because parenting children does involve a ton of sensory stimulation. Yeah. But the main answer that came like again and again and again was interruption. Interesting. So I think when you look at this thing, it's easy to say like, well, interruption doesn't have anything to do with my sensory self. So the only solutions that we can find need to be kid-based. We stop the kids at the door or whatever. Do you know what I mean? And not that mm. there aren't solutions that are very helpful for that as well. But if we like look at it more holistically in terms of like, okay, there's constant interruption and your cup is like right there at the tip of blowing over. This is a very different picture to someone who's like fresh in the morning in their like prime and ready to take on everything. So like looking at it just a little bit more holistically, I think is very helpful in terms of solutions, but also in terms of like our actual goals for parenting. So often we think like I can fall into the trap for myself of like thinking I just, I don't want to be snappy or I don't want to be agitated or I don't want to rush or something like that. But this is like one piece of the puzzle to this overall goal of being emotionally present, of being able to actually like find joy also for myself within parenting. And Mm -hmm. so when we like, tilt things a little bit in terms of that holistic perspective. It just tilts us more towards also that the, the bigger perspective in terms of our goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting, like the child-focused interventions versus like our own personal interventions. And this is really something that I try to parse out a little bit being a, a mom-centered platform. Like there's a place to be child-centered and to focus on, you know, some of the strategies to use with our kids, but also if we're not caring for ourselves, we're not going to be able to implement any of those strategies, you know? But I think about it in terms of like, I don't know, even boundary setting. Like when you go to the bathroom, like locking the door and allowing yourself to have a boundary with your young kid that you're going to have two or three minutes to yourself. Or like, I think of some of these things that Maybe I needed to give myself permission to do in order to, and I, we'll, we'll get into the strategies and maybe this is a part of them, but to just allow myself to take that time because I don't know, as first time moms and when you have like such littles, you don't feel like you can, like you feel like you have to, and, may, and sometimes physically we are the only one there and we have to be on the clock all the time, but other times we can buy moments for ourselves or, or learn to set boundaries even with our own children where maybe we haven't taken those opportunities before. And and I don't know, a simple example of like showering by ourselves or like closing the door because my kids always used to want to splash around on the bottom of my shower. And I'm like, I just want quiet mm-hmm. in the shower for a couple of minutes, you know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Who yeah. doesn't, right? Mm-hmm. I think like sometimes also because we when you're really like in the thick of parenting, you're also surrounded by your social circle that is in the thick of parenting. And we are so inclined to want to do really well, especially when we're brand new in parenting, right? Mm, It's a new role. mm -hmm. We're like navigating everything from fresh. And the pressure that we put on ourselves to perform is super high without any of like the performance structures that we would need. I often think of like athletes, you know, we would never like say to an athlete, you're not going to get any training. You're going to get no like physio, no massages, no creams, and you should perform. You should be like a number one. But Mm. as parents, like we're also athletes, like we perform the in a way, like it, it might seem like there's not a prize at the end, right? It, it's like a different in the way that we look at achievement, but just the day-to-day stuff that we're doing with our kids, it's like, it, it's it's high performance. Mm-hmm. Like just before we got on the school, actually my sister-in-law is like uh, quite a bit younger than the rest of the family. And she is on holiday for the weekend in Europe. 
she sent on our like WhatsApp group, like all these photos of like, you know, all these amazing drinks that she's got and like having picnics on the side of a lake with like these beautiful fresh raspberries and all the stuff. And <laughs> my brother-in-law sent back a photo of him at like the pool with his four kids. And you could just see like, it's like smoke on one side from somebody having like a barbecue and there's like tons of people and there's like swarms of kids in the pool. And he asked her, like, you want to swap? But when we're in it, we think, like, this is just parenting. This is just the way it is. Mm. But if we can really say, like, this stuff that I'm doing, it's good stuff. It's good stuff to show up for our kids. It's like we don't have to run away from going to the pool and doing these, like, fun things with our kids. But we need to also give ourselves a bit of, like, a ability to do that, right? Like, mm-hmm. a little bit of a step to help ourselves as well. Mm-hmm. So I did a bit of a deep dive in preparation for this. And I read you had a whole like extensive blog post, which I loved going through self-care and things for moms in this area. One of the things that you parsed out a little bit was this idea of dysregulation versus that overwhelm or that overload. So is this dysregulation, that cup that's not in its sweet spot throughout the day? So is that what that dysregulation would be? So it's kind of like, oh, it's a little, you know, out of range, but it's not entirely tipping me over. And like you said, flicking that switch, which would be more that triggered overwhelm piece. Mm-hmm. Is Absolutely. that right? Yeah. Like we often talk about it in terms of like sensory overload. Mm-hmm. It's like when that cup like just is overflowing now and to the point that we can't function. So like the what I shared in the beginning, like that example where you feel like I can't do anything else right now. I just need to like bring myself down. I need to focus. Mm. Like we're really in like fight and flight. But then there's also the thing that I think is like more pervasive and that we often just really overlook is this thing of like we're constantly teetering on nearly overflowing, like constantly full without any release, both for kids and for families. We live in a really different generation from 10 years ago. I mean, there are a lot of things that we have in our day-to-day lives that are very overstimulating and we don't realize them. And we often go to those things like scrolling on our phones as our our, like relaxation, but it's also Mm -hmm. very overstimulating. So it's like kind of understanding what is getting you to that full cup. Mm Mm-hmm. I teach a course called All the Rage with Dr. Asherina Reem, Psyched Mummy. And in one of the in one of the modules in one of the lessons, I don't know, there's like 30 lessons, we talk about like a concept from CBT, like our body thermometer and sort of being in tune with our body and our body clues and understanding, you know, where tension is building or if we're, you know, clenching our teeth or making fists. And one of the things I've often taught to clients is being able, like let's say we're talking on a scale of I don't know, one to five. And the teetering point is maybe the two or three. How do we catch ourselves earlier on before we're like full volcanic eruption and do an activity, whether it's a regulation activity, a mindfulness activity, a something earlier on? Because once we get fully interrupt mode, we're riding it out at that point. Like our system is overloaded. We've got all the hormones pumping. We're in fight or flight. We've got to like ride that out. And there are things we can do to do it more quickly and to anchor ourselves. But what I have found, the reason I'm saying this is that people have no idea. Like they don't know that, not that they don't know. It's that we are so used to ignoring all of the alerts on the dashboard of the vehicle that it is not until we blow a full-on tire and have to pull over to pay attention that we realize, oh, I need to do something now. 
right? And I think that this is for a lot of reasons to no fault of our own. Like we are in, like you said, a very fast-paced lifestyle. I think in a lot of ways for women particularly, we've been taught not to trust our bodies, not to listen to ourselves, diet culture, like don't eat when you're hungry, don't eat after seven. And all of these things have really done a disservice to like disconnect us from trusting ourselves and trusting our body. So when I ask clients or when I work with students in all the rage and things, it's like, oh my gosh, I have I have no idea what the early sort of warning signs are. And so I think that there's a piece where, as you said, we are running at the brink of that cup and it's not until it's like so, like let's say four out of five on the scale or five out of five that we then stop and pay attention, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. And like, if you think about it, of course, there's the moment to moment things that happen within the day. And often the the overflow would be like a big snap or like saying something that you really don't mean or you regret or something like this. Right. But often the chronic thing that maybe we're not reading the warning signs, not only in those big moments, but also like in the long run is Mm -hmm. this thing of burnout, this thing of avoiding the things that you want yourself to be able to do as a parent. So like what I hear a lot is like, I can't go out with my children. I dreamed about that I would be able to go out and do fun adventures with my kids and I cannot get out the door. It's so overstimulating that I just Mm. cannot do it. I just give up. Mm. So when we get to this point where we're like not really able to function, of course, we all have like high and mighty ideas before we become parents, like what we're going to be like, right? Right, right. Not really talking about that. I'm talking about like things that you're noticing that you and yourself would technically, you think, be able to do. And you just feel like you cannot get to that. Like you keep hitting a wall and it feels too hard and you're withdrawing your life away from the things that are just like constantly keeping you overstimulated. Want to get smarter about your health, but feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction? We hear a lot about gut health, microbiomes, and other nutrition topics, but taking the time to research these is exhausting. And there's a lot of misinformation out there. The Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast makes it so much easier to get the information you need. With the help of world-leading scientists, the podcast gives you research-based information so you can make informed choices for yourself without pressure and guilt. People are loving Zoe Science and Nutrition. Listener Stephanie's Apple Review says the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast is a life-changing, science-based, myth-busting podcast. That's a must-listen for anyone who eats food and wants to understand how it affects their body. With the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast, you can join Stephanie and millions of others accessing quality information about their health. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Mom rage often leads us to feeling ashamed. But the truth is that our rage doesn't mean we're bad moms. In fact, anger is a sign from our bodies that our needs aren't being met. As moms and therapists, Dr. Ashirina Reem's Psyched Mommy and I understand mom rage. We know that we all lose our cool sometimes. And we also know that with the right tools and strategies in place, those moments happen less often. We've teamed up and combined our years of experience to create all the rage, raising kids with less anger and more connection, a course designed to be your go-to resource for preventing and handling your anger. We dive into what causes your anger, how it impacts your body, how to reframe your thinking, and how to stay calm in triggering moments. And because we are all human, we also include strategies for repairing after we inevitably lose our cool. 
In honor of Maternal Mental Health Week, you can save $20 on the course with promo RAGE20 this week only. Don't miss out on your chance to save and make a positive change. Head to momwell.com slash rage and save with code RAGE20. That's momwell.com slash rage, code RAGE20. It's interesting because I'm coming off of a sprint in the company, actually in a couple of different areas. I had three or four major, major projects going on. The book, Manuscript being one of them, and it has been like two years in the making and it's been grueling and it's pretty much almost off my plate. But we launched, you know, a new set of courses on the website. On the back end, we migrated our system. There's just been many things going on. So I'm feeling burnout and I don't burn out often or easily. It's taken a lot to sort of get to this place. And we're facing summer break here now with the kids being home. And I'm feeling like, oh, I just can't. Like, I just can't adult. Like, it's so much work. Or like, we have Wonderland here. It's like a Six Flags equivalent or like a big amusement park. And I'm just like, I cannot. Like, if we're going to family adventure somewhere, it's going to be like into the woods where there's no one. So I really relate to that feeling of, I know that I've pushed myself and it's been for a sprint and it was temporary. And now I get some reprieve from that. But I can relate to that like, oh, I just can't life in that way right now. When typically I'd be the first in line at that event type thing. But I just feel like I need a reset. Mm -hmm. And so I'm curious for us to step into some of the ways that we can care for ourselves throughout mothering or whatever so that we don't get to this place you know Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely I just want to say also like I'm I'm glad you shared this example in terms of like sprints and lifestyle because like sometimes in sprints I think like this is something that does happen naturally right but what like where I put more concern is also the long-term effect of like living in sprint which so many of us are doing right and I also like that you want to go on a holiday in the woods because actually this is one of the things that we're going to be talking about because you it's like again this is like your natural intuition to what will feel good in your body is to be somewhere that is quieter that is more natural like being outdoors just generally in nature is like incredibly powerful for our sensory systems but Mm -hmm. sometimes like feeling those things and trusting those things in terms of like going to the woods for a holiday instead of like an amusement park is such a good thing to follow through with that instead of saying I can't life right now so I'm gonna I'm just gonna take myself out of the holiday right or Mm. there's so many ways we can do it and of course like at points we need to be able to make those decisions as well in order to get resets but yeah just really recognizing our needs in order to live the way that we we really want to. Mm-hmm. And something that I also wanted to say that I think I forgot to mention earlier is that often in the terms of our sensory systems, we think of it as like a toll booth. Like I go through the toll booth, I pay my fee of like sensory overstimulation, I get to the other side and that means like it's done. But mm-hmm. actually the sensory information that goes into our bodies can last there for a really long time. So in terms of like therapy with children, when we're doing sensory integration strategies, we're really watching for the next eight hours that say they are epileptic, that they don't have a seizure within those eight hours Hmm. because that sensory um, information that came in is still being processed. And in terms of parenting, this happens a lot where parents are like, um, they have like a loud morning. One of my kids is like very loud in the morning, a loud morning, and then they feel like they can't concentrate for the rest of the day. And it's really hard to place like the, the finger on the needle of what was that really about. But sensory information does stay in our bodies for a really long time. So it could have been a rough morning, but that might keep your cup up 
later in the day as well. Mm. Um, and then similarly, if you're like having loud evenings or loud afternoons and then finding yourself in the evening, just like stuck to your phone scrolling for much longer than you want to past bedtime because you can't shut down because your cup is still really high. Um, mm-hmm. So just to bring a bit of awareness on those things as well. Yeah. No, that's interesting. I find that that actually happens in two other situations. Like if I've had a particularly emotional day, if something emotional has happened, like I kind of equate this to therapy. We give this like disclaimer that, you know, this is helpful, but it also can be challenging in that it brings emotions to the surface that you might not otherwise think about or process. And so I find that sometimes even in really intense podcast interviews, if they've been really emotional, like we did one recently on a community story about loss. And I was like, I was done for the rest of that day. Like that, like information and like, you know, replaying it in my mind and just sort of like that feeling, it stayed with me for a while. So like that emotional, heavy emotional experiences, I feel the same way about. And then also I get like migraines and chronic pain and maybe that is a little bit different, but I feel like that really kind of can impact or slow us down or impact that threshold or that cup as you were saying. So Mm -hmm. I think that yeah, there are a couple different things that can overhang that emotional experience, I think also being being one of them. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, our thresholds are, like do really fluctuate, right? Like throughout the day, according to the our hormones during the month, uh, also in terms of age, like mm. you might like have love to go on like a I would say Ferris wheels. I know like you like guys probably have like roller coasters. Like yeah. something. I don't know mm. if I've ever been on a roller coaster. I don't know if I ever would. But like <laughs> you might have liked that when you were a child. And then when you get to adulthood, you're like, whoa, just like going up and down makes me feel dizzy. Because mm. our ability to interpret that information, the vestibular information in our bodies changes, our threshold changes according to age. But then also things like coming to motherhood, there's a whole bunch of things that happen within our body that make us more alert to protect our babies. So then our sensory systems also, like our threshold, it's like the cup shrinks a bit. Mm. If you are sleep deprived, if you have a lot of stress going on, all of these things can bring your cup size down as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks for that. That's important for people to know and understand. Yeah. So, okay. We were talking about self-care right? Yes. Yep. Some strategies. Like, what do I do now? I know that I'm not taking care of myself day-to-day sensory-wise. Where can we start? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So I want to share with you two things that I call them like sensory mama ninja tip tricks, because I really use these and they're really helpful to pull out when you feel like your cup is full, when you feel like your cup is overflowing, they can be used in both. But before we get there, I just just want to like take a little moment to do make a case for everything that we consider self-care anyway. And I'm not talking about self-care necessarily in terms of like aesthetic self-care, but like self-care in terms of what is the thing that we write on our list on the 1st of January? Like what is our ambitions for ourselves? And these are often really geared towards exercise, time outdoors, eating healthy, all of these. And if we really like break down what happens there in terms of like the sensory profile or the sensory experience, these things are very, very beneficial. So if today you're like at your, your like max in terms of all the things you're managing, but you wanting to push more into one area of self-care that you have on your list already, go for that thing because there's a chance that it is also going to be very beneficial for your overall sensory cup. So mm-hmm. if you think about something like exercise, it's a rhythmical movement. So it's involving both your vestibular and your proprioceptive system in a rhythmical way, which is very relaxing, actually. It's again, like that release valve just opens and it lets out some of that liquid that is being built up. Also outdoor time, like it's just so beneficial. There's no walls for the sound to bounce off of. Your eyes have a chance to 
rest and to have like uh, look at a, an open landscape um, is really beneficial for the eyes. Then if we think even about like food, like this is something I like am on at the moment, like making myself salads for lunch. And it, it doesn't take that much longer, but in my head, it takes like much longer, right? To like mm-hmm. make the decision to do this. But just eating a salad, there's so much like crunchy food that is inside of, you know, naturally healthy foods or whole foods that again, is like stimulating your oral centers. And again, it's like all that crunchy food is actually really calming. So a lot of the things that we would have on our general self-care list, these things can also in some way be really beneficial for our sensory cups too. But I want to talk about oral sensory stimulation as one of our ninja tricks first. Mm. So this is basically using your mouth. Your mouth is like a center that is really calming. Like if you think of a baby and they are crying, what is the first thing that we do? We like either try and nurse them or we give them a pacifier, like something towards the mouth because the mouth, when it is like stimulated, it's very calming us and similarly with adults like often when you are stressed like a smoker will tell you straight away when they're stressed the first thing that they want to do is have that suck that they have when Mm. they you know take a drag of a cigarette or drinking a glass of wine where you're like sipping something drinking something hot again where you're sipping biting your nails chewing your bottom lip like we naturally do these things so often in a response to stress or also to sensory overload like using our mouth to bring us down or regulate us more But there are also like ways that we can do this ahead of time to really help us. So like sucking on a frozen fruit popsicle or like a block of ice or something cold can be really soothing as well. Having foods that are more crunchy like carrots or something that's like beef jerky or like a dried mango or something that like you have to like kind of use your your mouth properly with that. Drinking through a straw also like you using more of a suck can be calming. Even humming or singing to yourself. Even if noise is the thing that's overstimulating and sometimes humming, like it drowns out the other noise. And then, of course, breathing. Like I I know you talk about breathing a lot on the podcast already. So hopefully the listeners are like well aware of the benefits of this. But just taking like a really good breath and a good exhale. Mm. Also, it just like really regulates your nervous system. So that is oral sensory stimulation. I am like chuckling to myself inside right now because you don't know how many conversations my husband and I have had about the fact that I only like crunchy food. <laughs> and it's like I chalk it up to like an like an ADHD thing, but like at the end of the day when I sit and eat, regardless of what it is, it just needs to be crunchy. Like I had got these dried apple crisps from Costco and they sometimes would not be crunchy. They'd be like kind of spongy and then I wouldn't eat them because they weren't crunchy enough. And like I'm maybe particular or I go through like food cycles because of fixation with ADHD and things anyways. But I didn't know that that's like a thing because I don't I don't know what it is. I just love crunchy food. It's so silly, but it's true. Yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely I mean, it's like one of the things also when we're working with children, we we look at like what snacks they're having because it's you know, we, we do it so much anyway in our daily life. Like I'm sure when I was going through those examples of like, uh, or biting your lip or like sucking your cheeks or all of them, we do them so naturally as well. So if we can like think for ourselves, like how can I, you know, use this to also build in something that's good for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the next one that I want to talk a little bit about is your proprioceptive system. So your proprioceptive system is basically one of the 
lesser known sensory systems. So it's basically the feedback from your muscles and joints of where your body is. So if you think about like jumping, hitting a ball, there's like as the movement takes place, as the contact takes place, you kind of feel that in your joints up into your arm and and in your muscles as well. And the proprioceptive system can be very calming. There's ways that it can alert us as well. Like if you have a child that is like a, I call them like dashes and crashes. This is one of my kids that they just like always bounce. You're like human jungle gym all the time. Or parents come to me and say like, I think my child like gave me a bruise because they ran into me. Mm. This kind of sensation can be actually alerting, but the proprioceptive system can also be used as a release valve to like really take out some of that liquid in our cup. So what we want to do is think about like pushing, pulling, or squeezing. So this can be like the one that I go to when I'm in a crowded room (laughs) is like, I just squeeze my hands together. Just squeezing your hands together actually just like really helps or pushing up onto your like tippy toes. Um, It's like activating your calves and your knees. And it just gives you like that little bit of proprioceptive input to tell you a little bit more about where your body is and kind of uh, brings you down a bit. Mm. But there are things that we can also do like if we are exercising I think sometimes because when we are like with a full cup, the exercise that we try to do, we avoid like a lot of jumping and things because that's really activating the vestibular system. But trying to get some like softer exercises using your body weight, like push-ups kind of thing. It doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be like a really fast pace, but that kind of experience where you are pushing yourself up or even wall push-ups is again, like giving your body like really good proprioceptive input, giving yourself a tight hug, And then lots of the things that we think about, like um, squeezing a stress ball or, you know, holding something in your hand, you're often using it in like a very proprioceptive, eliciting kind of way. And then I know like a lot of people talk about doing like in those heightened moments with kids, like dance parties or jumping together or anything like that. That's again, like just using that proprioceptive system. Mm -hmm. Yeah. With my boys, I like to have them like carry uh, like laundry baskets and things. I think that falls into this one as well, right? Yeah. And we'll increase the things in it to increase the weight and see what they can carry because sometimes one, their like energy just needs to be channeled and two, they just need to like burn off some steam or we'll play Simon Says, but I will intentionally make the things very active in this way. So they will be push-ups or they will be bear crawls along the floor or crab walks or things that just get them moving in a way that there is some tension to it or some strength to it. Mm -hmm. And it's really helpful. It's a great reset for us and like can be done in a way that's not big and overstimulating. Like it can be done in a very orderly way, like a Simon says, where it doesn't feel like alerting or alarming. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, movement is just like so critical when I'm working with kids, often when, as soon as we hear like behavior issues happening in school or at home or anything like concerns around behavior, our first question is how much do they move throughout their days? Because we know that there are recommendations for children that they should be moving three hours a day. And we all know what it feels like to be with a child that is like stuck in a car for hours on a road trip or anything like that. We know what it feels like. But our bodies also have movement needs in order to maintain themselves that we need to move. Like this is how our body is designed, how it all works together. So again, like going back to that thing of like just taking daily walks, having some kind of like rhythmical movement, you're just like meeting your body where it's supposed to be at, you know, like this is how your body can maintain its holistic functioning. So often when we see these things in our kids, we need to also like see them back on ourselves in terms Mm -hmm. of like, you know, really meeting our own just basic needs. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Because as somebody who sits at a desk all day long, right? Like I can definitely relate to that. And things like just either the walking pad at my desk or going for a walk helps to clear the brain fog, but also like the fidgety sort of like picking or like that just like amped up feeling that I get also helps to, like you said, relieve the pressure, take the valve off Mm -hmm. in that way. Yeah. Any other thoughts to leave moms with or any other places to start for them maybe? I think the main thing that I just want to leave you with is hope. (laughs) Like Mm. it it really is a full season raising kids. Like maybe you don't realize how much you're doing. Like I really think parents are like athletes. Like we really are doing an amazing, amazing job at a high performance level. So just to give you hope that if you can, like just like you would do for a runner, get them the right shoes, get them training. Mm. You know what I mean? Like really get support the runner in his uh, performance of running. If you can support yourself as well, there is a place where parenting doesn't have to feel like a constant buzz. It doesn't have to feel like a constant overwhelm. And that there is a place where you can also be able to like turn down your dial enough to really enjoy it, to to have those like memories that you wanted to have before you had kids and to, yeah, to find like rest in the place of being a parent as well. Mm-hmm. I love that. Thank you for that. It is a marathon. Is it a long marathon? And I think that we train for sprints and marathons differently, right? Like we have to put these longer term, maybe smaller things in place because we don't get to do the big reset maybe all the time in early parenthood or we don't get the unplugged vacation where we've, you know, gone away and unplugged. So we have to learn the little things day to day to do to make sure that we are, or even like prioritizing sleep as a part of our training plan to sustain this marathon, right? Thinking about things that are going to preserve us for the long term and therefore allow us to enjoy our experience more with our kids. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that, Holly. Where can people find you? Where can they learn more about the summit and all the things that you do? Yeah, well, I have a link down below, which links to a quiz actually about sensory. So if you're interested in understanding a little bit more about like what your sensory profile is and getting more kind of tips and ideas that you can build into your life, you can come and find that link down below and come and do the quiz. And yeah, like I said, I'm running a summit in September with a friend of mine. She's a a physiotherapist called uh, Kaylee Nolan. She's the movement mama. And we're running a summit all about babies. So from for the first year of life. Mm. And I think that that will be linked down below as well. So you're welcome to come and join us for that too. Yeah. And we will link that in the show notes and in the blog post so people can easily click through and find you. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you so much for having me. That was such a great episode with Holly. I love having these conversations on the podcast where I get to see topics that I live in daily and talk about often from different angles and from different professions. If overstimulation in motherhood is something that you struggle with, you are not alone. And it can be so empowering to learn how your sensory system works, how your fight or flight and nervous system works so that you can put together an overstimulation plan that helps you both in the very triggered and activated moments, but also in those moments where you feel like your cup is just building with overstimulation or there's a hum or a buzz starting to form in the background. Dr. Asherina Reem's Psyched Mummy and I have worked together on an overstimulation workshop to help teach you some of these fundamental skills so that you can feel empowered and also begin to parent with more control and restraint and less guilt. 
To learn more about this workshop, head to momwell.com slash overstimulation. That's momwell.com slash overstimulation. I'll see you right back here, same time, same place next week, where I'm being joined by author and angel investor, Leslie Schrock, to talk about the myths about infertility. You don't want to miss it. I'll see you right back here next week. I can't even begin to tell you how happy and honored I am that you choose to spend your time here with me each week. If you're looking for resources or links from today's show, or you need a refresh on anything we've talked about, visit our show notes. You can find the link in the episode description, or you can head directly to momwell.com slash learning center. To join the Momwell email list and be the first one to know about new episode drops, insider info, or freebies, head to momwell.com slash newsletter. Join me next week. Until then, remember that you have to be well to mom well.